listening to the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast, hosted by J.J. Duke, an all-access pass to Fairfield University Lacrosse. And welcome back here to another episode of Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the first episode as we talked with a little men's lacrosse with Andy Copeland last week. But as we said, it's going to be about both Fairfield teams this week. We're only talking about the defending MAC champions, Fairfield Women's Lacrosse. I'm joined by the head coach, Laura Field. Coach, it's starting to get a little colder outside, so it makes it seem like the season is almost here. Yeah, the timing's always perfect. You know, right when we start season, the temperature drops. But you know what? We're ready for it. It's uh, it's to be expected. Now, Holy Cross is the first game, and ironically enough, I think the last time you guys were up there in Worcester. It snowed about four inches during the game. They had to move the game up about like four hours or so just to make it happen. Are we anticipating the same thing happening? Uh, I, I think the story with Holy Cross when we go there is it's always a little bit chilly. Um, you know, we've, we've historically played some cold games there. But you know what? It's nice to know that. It's a known quantity. Um, so in some respects, maybe the cold weather this past week has helped us prepare for that kind of reminds everybody that lacrosse is in fact a winter sport that happens to be in the spring absolutely i feel worse for our for our fans than i do for uh, for ourselves sometimes well we'll break down the schedules we go throughout this podcast here as we will do throughout each of the episodes we'll have a recap segment the scout which in this case we're going to look ahead to this coming season a little bit the recap will be looking back at last year and around the circuit which this week we're going to look at the mac on the women's side of things and you know it's going to be one of those interesting seasons where some of the key contenders may not be there or they could but they're certainly going to get a test because it's going to be a wide open season but we start with the recap so last season mac champions you were a year removed from graduating arguably probably one of the best classes that the program has had in a while including two players that were finishing inside the top 10 in career points uh, riley helstein and alex femmel when you began practices last year, did you think to yourself that this group has a chance? Yeah, you know, I think what's nice about um, not having necessarily a definable superstar, and certainly we have a lot of talent, so I don't want to undersell the group that we did have and that we do have, um, but what's nice about that is you're able to develop more of a team concept. Uh, I think you saw that on offense. I think you saw the spread offense and that any given game, um, a different person stepped up and filled roles that we needed. We were able to mix and match different lineups uh, according to what we needed uh, by the team we were playing. And so I think, you know, the team rose to that challenge, and we had great performances out of um, a wide variety of people last year. I think that's what we're looking for this year as well, you know, spreading the offense and having different people uh, fill different roles in different games. Now, when I've been working with you on the media side of things, I've known that you're someone that – rewards players for you know putting good performances in practice give them an opportunity in the games now we look at that team from 2017 you graduated a number of seniors so you had you know kind of a a mishmash if you will of classes they had to work with who's going to fill in certain roles on a given day you had a team you know fielding seven to eight starters that were non-seniors a season that was riddled by injuries last year Every non-conference game also were all by one goal losses, which I know is something yeah. that's a little bit of a uh, we're not going to go there point. <laughs> we but remember. It was almost just – it was a perfect storm last year. Of It would just be like, okay, if you got to the postseason, maybe made a run at it, it was going to be a good year. But yet somehow this group found the way. At what point in your mind did you think this year is different like any other? It, it, last year? Uh, you know, I think – 
we knew even with the one goal losses that we were playing good lacrosse. You know, sometimes you have one goal losses because we don't execute in the moment. Sometimes they're simply because the ball bounces the wrong way at the wrong time. Um, what was great about that group of girls is that at no point in time did they give up the mission. You know, we talk a lot about staying the course and playing the scout and playing our strengths. And they didn't give any of those things up in addition to giving up their confidence when we had those tough one goal losses. I'll tell you, we remember them. I mean, they came in a row, and even we, you know, we beat Hofstra by a goal by the same score, uh, the 13-12 score right. that kind of uh, hampered us all year. They fought their way through that non-conference schedule, and you know, it, it did absolutely help us when we got to conference play. We could rely a little bit on the fact that we played in tight games, and and we'd withstood. Uh, pretty much everything that anybody threw at us, and we knew that we could rely on each other to come out of that. Yeah, that 13-12 scoreline was a little bit of an yeah. oddity. I think it was yeah. what, three or four times last year that we had that uh, that scoreline or thereabout. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best thing when we got to uh, overtime at Hofstra, and you looked up and you're like, oh, goodies, 12-12. Somebody's going to win this 13-12, but thankfully it was us. Now, I took a couple games from last year, kind of that were key points that at least stuck out in my head. The first one was the BU game at home, which was one of the last home games in non-conference play. And I think it was the start of like a three-game homestand or something along those rights. We talked about how you know injury-riddled this group was, a lot of different players coming in. That was a game that I remember where you had, gosh, I think four players, maybe five starters or projected starters that were hurt. Uh, Jill Winwood was out at that point. Kathleen Holzman was certainly banged up. Taylor Mitchell was out. Aaron Bauman was one game away from coming back you're up you're, you went down nine seven but then you found a way the group found a way to get a couple of equalizers megan graham scores one really inside of i think 30 seconds or so i know it was a loss in that game but you talked about never forgetting the mission that was certainly one of those games that like okay you might have not gotten the result but that's certainly going to help you guys to learn to fight back when you know the going got tough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I recall, we had the ball um, at the end of the game. You know, at the at the midfield line. So we we put ourselves in position, um, and, and that's all you can ask. Eventually, if you stay the course with doing it the right way, playing to your strengths, um, it, it will it will go your way. And I think you're you're absolutely right. That was a turning point, even though it was a loss. Um, and, you know, I think the reaction is also important to remember for us. Um, the reaction was it, not just pure frustration, but that we could be better. Um, and that's what you want. You don't want them to be uh, dejected after a tough loss, a one-goal loss. You want them to want more. And we didn't have to do that. It was, I, I will tell you, we had great senior leadership. We had great upper-class leadership on that team last year. And, and they stayed motivated the entire time. So it's a credit to them. So who were the players in the locker room that really took over kind of the harness? Because I remember you and I were talking earlier in the season, and you said, you know, you're waiting for that moment. It was a lot of the younger players that were kind of fueling the fire. Mm -hmm. At what point did you see a senior or maybe a junior that was kind of stepping forward? Uh, I'll tell you, I saw a lot of the senior class. Um, right. So, again, we talk about different people at different times. Um, you know, it's hard to single out an individual player because I think whether they were injured or they weren't, um, whether they were naturally a loud, um, outspoken leader or they were more of a leader by example, we saw every version of that come through in the locker room. It was some kids getting loud and, and firing people up. It was some people really putting their head down and going to work even though they were injured. Um, we had a lot of the injured kids really staying active, involved on the sidelines, helping the person that was filling their place. Um, that's unique. That's not something that always happens. And it's a testament to the character and the team camaraderie of that team. 
happening, uh, that everybody saw that that void and rose into it. Curious how that camaraderie built forward because the other game that circled on my schedule from last year was Monmouth away. Now this was after I checked actually it was a four game home stand that you guys had you beat Niagara at home. It was an odd I think like one o'clock Thursday mm-hmm. start time and uh, mid. Uh, excuse me, I should say end of March. And then you go down to Monmouth, horrendous conditions down there. I think it was like about 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. It just, it never seemed like it was a game that ever got going. The group lost by three, and that's the longest ride outside of Western New York games that you guys have to take coming back. What was that bus ride like? And because it it showed, because then the group just started, you know, figuring it out. I think that was uh that was a very big turning point for us. Um, that was the probably the the worst example of who we are not. Um, we played very disjointed in that game and very individual in that game. Um, but there was a lot of time for introspection and for looking at ourselves and for um, making adjustments. And when you're in the, the, the heart of Mac play and you have a game like that, it's a gut check time. Um, because at that point you're fighting to get to the tournament, to stay in you know, the top uh, grouping, to have, uh, to have the right path through, through the Mac tournament. And, you know, it, it was a tough loss. You know, it was it was a three-goal loss, as I recall, um, which was the first time we had had that all season. Um, you know, we sat afterwards with some of, uh, at the time, the juniors and had conversations about what we wanted to be, who that was, you know, who that version was on the field, and that was not us. Um, and, again, you talk about it's not about the loss. It's about the response to the loss. Um, as I recall, we played Quinnipiac in the next game, and it was, a, again, a very hard-fought, tough game. And I think that Mammoth motivated us through that game. Um, you know, it certainly motivated us when we, when we drew them in the first round of the tournament. Um, you know, we didn't need a lot of extra help to get up for that game uh, because we wanted to prove really who we were. Yeah, and you did, and it's funny that you talk about that Quinnipiac game because that was one that was a bit tooth and nail from start to finish. They came in, really battled you guys hard, but found a way. Lost to Maris and really what was a great game, but the one that kind of circled to me at the point where it was like, okay, you talked about the game that wasn't you, the game that was the Fairfield women's lacrosse team last year, away to Canisius, where literally there were stretches that I thought, I haven't seen this group play the way that they did maybe for a couple of seasons. You won that game 11-8. It got a little bit tight at the end, but then it was a three-goal run to finish off the game, and you closed it out like a championship team in a championship environment. And was that the point maybe, and I, I keep circling back to it, but was that the point that you think, okay, we've really got a chance. If we can go to Canisius and win, really it's on our on our shoulders at this point. Yeah, I, I mean – it is nice to rise to the challenge. Obviously, there are um, some teams on that schedule that you circle uh, the game at the beginning of the year because you know that that has the potential to be uh, a, a championship preview. Um, uh, you know, certainly there are a lot of teams within the MAC that you could say that for. I, I think Canisius, you know, historically for us is one of those teams. And you know, we had some tough conditions getting to that game. We had a a long bus ride um, and a longer bus ride, um, unfortunately than we intended and you know again conditions weren't perfect but the competition was there the rise to the level of play um, that was one of our best team games um, that we that we played all season in terms of you know offense uh, gelling with defense defense transitioning the ball well everybody doing their job well um, it felt really great as a game 
Um, you talk about a tough bus ride back from Monmouth. That was a pretty good bus ride back from Canisius. And it's a long bus it ride. It is a long. We, we're get, we, we're good at it. <laughs> what, what happened going up there? You said it was an even longer bus uh, ride. We had a little bit of a, a little bit of bus snafu and uh, spent a little bit of extra time in, uh, where we didn't intend and actually um, never made it to our hotel and uh, uh, bunked in Rochester and got to the game. So, hey, you know, you know what? Every, it, it all happens for a reason. Team bonding, right? Team bonding. We had a great time. We were put up by uh, one of our families for a little extended dinner, uh, but it ended up being pretty pretty okay. And then after that, team just went on an absolute run. They went right through Manhattan 14-9. And then the MAC tournament, you had to play the first round game mm -hmm. at home, which it's kind of that odd thing, right? You don't want to be that three team. You want to yeah. be one or two. But you go through Iona 14-5. to You talk about the Monmouth rematch 17-9, beat Canisius in the championship 14-10. You outscored teams in that tournament 45-24. to You don't often see that in tournament time but it just looked like the group was you know you talk about Canisius playing on a, a team level it just kind of went above and beyond that yeah it, and what's nice is every team that we faced uh, was a strong powerful team so in terms of motivation in terms of being able to scout and knowing that you have to play your best lacrosse to advance it's in front of you there's no there's no gimmies in that um, I, I think our staff did a great job Ann and Karen and Mike did a wonderful job of preparation um, tweaking lineups so that it matched the the games that we were playing really well um, Iona was one of the first actually I think it was the first um, uh, Mac conference game playoff game that uh, we've ever hosted in yep. my time yep. um, and just in my time but that was fun you know you get a spring game at home that's that's got conference uh, implications it's fun to to have that game and you know sometimes you just uh, rise at the right time they they gelled and they really um, got their act together right at the right time and it, at, when I hit the horn final horn on the championship game against Canisius it's a cliche what's going through your mind at that point but was it just more you looked proud yeah. but you look like at the same time the relief knowing that it was it was a tough season for you guys and really at some points you thought it was just never going to be that year but then all of a sudden you're the ones that are wearing the championship t-shirts and you're the ones that are hoisting up the trophy what what was that like for you? yeah pride is a great word for it and and really uh, pride in the team you know I think you know every year you look at your team and they work their butts off from September all the way through you know you talk about the cold weather now this is just the start of it this is a group that really deserved this win because of the work that they put in. Um, you know, certainly I would love to say that everybody is deserving, but, you know, I, I, it was an unassuming senior class who won as freshmen, who had, you know, smaller probably influence on that game, although still there. This, they, they, this has their stamp all over it. It has their influence. It has their demeanor, their, their expectations of how our culture was, all of those things. It was a testament to every day that they put in hard work that they were the ones that got to hoist that trophy. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was just a fun weekend to watch. Unfortunately, you know, for a lot of us who weren't able to make it up to Marist for that, it was great to watch online, being able to see the team perform the way that, you know, we we saw glimpses the entire yeah. season, but it just kind of kept far. Now, granted, group made it to the NCAA tournament, played, quite frankly, a team <laughs> that were just they're on a mission. It was Loyola, Maryland. The score line is not a flattering one. It was eighteen Absolutely. two. But you know, you have to look at that where okay, they hosted the Patriot League championship game. They lost to Navy, mm -hmm. which that certainly that knocked them out of getting the bye in the first round. So they had to play. I know that wasn't the score line obviously that you guys are hoping for, but does that now leave a little bit of desire 
in this year's returning group to say, okay, maybe there's a little bit of unfinished business left. Yeah, we we don't hide from that scoreline. You know, um, you can be embarrassed by it or you can be motiva- motivated by right. it. Um, you know, I think we talk about it pretty openly and pretty freely. It was a bad day to have a bad day. Um, and it's fair to say almost, almost across the board, um, we were outplayed. There's nothing wrong with that if you learn from it, right. um, if you grow from it. We got a taste of it. Um, you know, and in my time, we've had we've made it to the NCAA tournament three times since I've been here. Um, in each, the first two times, we were happy to be there, and we still lost. Uh, first time was a little bit closer to Penn. Uh, second time to Princeton, not as close. And then the third time to Loyola was a blowout. Uh, the difference in reaction was significant. The first two times, I think we were just happy to be there and to make our mark. This last year, they were angry in a good way. You know, they were saying, this is not us. We are better than that. Maybe we still would have lost the game had we played our version of lacrosse, but we don't know that. Um, So it did, I think, leave a little bit on the table for what we want to prove as a team. Um, You know, you're happy to be there. That's great. The goal is not to just get to the NCAA tournament. The goal is to win in the NCAA tournament, And, and that's still on the table for us. And now that kind of perfectly segues in to the scout as we look ahead to this year, the 2019 season. The team returns 20 from last year and a number of starters from that team. So you talk about how angry they were after losing that NCAA first-round tournament game. When the team took the field for the first time in fall practice, did you notice that it was like, okay, this might be, you know, still you're figuring everything out, but was it a little bit more of an up-tempo, let's get after it from the opening whistle? Yeah, I think we we noticed in the respect that we want to attack the things that we didn't execute in that game, and we can start that mission in the fall versus in the spring. Um, you know, certainly it's in, the, it's in the back of your head to get there, but you don't want to put the, the horse before the cart. We have to still attack our, our regular schedule, our max schedule, and there are a lot of talented teams in, in our conference. So, um, yes, absolutely, that is framing how we approach this season. And I would say it, it, it probably more so for the seniors and the juniors that have uh, the light at the end of the tunnel coming. Um, but they are very aware of our shortcomings. Let's go after them. Let's not avoid them. And let's see if we can start correcting them in the fall. Uh, one of the other things is, again, we talk a lot about culture and character and how we present our team. The culture of it's not good enough just to, just to walk on the field. You want to walk on the field and be your best. If you approach the entire year like that, you set the tone like that, then it's contagious in a great way to your underclassmen, to your freshmen coming in. And, and they did a very good job, and they've done a very good job doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear the assessment thus far. You obviously the fall season done and dusted. You know, you're what, at time of recording a week and a half to mm-hmm. two weeks now in spring practice before uh, games begin in a couple of weeks' time. Where Has the group hit the level that you want it to be at this point? Have they gone above and beyond? You smirk now. So that's, <laughs> that is a big tell to say that they're doing something right, but there's certainly still something left to be given. I think if you are reaching your full potential in, in you know, January or February, you're doing something wrong. Okay. Um, and I think that's not how we approach the season. Um, it is, you know, it is a cliche that it, that it is a marathon and not a sprint, but it is also very true. Um, we, we project long-term. We have a lot of room to go in terms of our, our fitness and our skills, you know, at full speed. Um, we have the pieces. We can see them. Uh, we had a pretty decent fall, um, which, you know, I, I don't say very often, but we had a pretty decent fall. Um, and we have talent there in terms of getting it to gel. That takes time. Um, it, you know, we talk a lot about unit play. How do we play as a unit? 
Um, that takes time to get to know each other. We have some kids coming back from some injuries, um, so that will necessitate a little bit more time, but we expect that to happen. So um, we have not hit our stride. We are on path to hit our stride. Um, I am certainly um, optimistic that that's going to happen. Uh, but it but it will take a little bit more time. Well, hitting your stride is certainly something that we saw on the offensive side of the game last year, where, yes, you do graduate to quality attackers, and Brenna Connolly and Olivia Russell combined for a whopping 32% of last year's offense, including one of your main feeders from last year behind Cage. But on the upside of that, you do return a lot of the scoring. Taylor Mitchell is a grad mm -hmm. year, so she's back 40 goals last year. Kathleen Holzman, despite a little bit of a banged-up season, still put in 50-plus points last year, split nearly evenly. Um, or excuse me, Brooke Gallagher, yeah, the grad yeah. year, I should say. Taylor Mitchell, your senior uh, attacker, 40 goals last year. Brooke Gallagher in a grad year coming back with 30 goals. Kelly Horning, 25 goals. Jill Winwood, despite you know missing the majority of the conference season due to a season-ending injury, she still put away over 20 points. That must make you pretty happy knowing that you've got scoring depth, which was a little bit of a question coming into last season. Yeah, depth is a key word there. Um, depth is what gives you flexibility in your lineups, which gives you um, difficulty in scouting us, and, and we have depth. And we certainly, um, you know, we did graduate some very uh, key members that were quarterbacks that were um, facilitating ball movement, that were distributing the ball. However, I, I think it's fair to say, and I project, that we have people that are going to rise into that role. Uh, many of the people that you mentioned are exactly those. Um, we saw them have very good falls. Um, they've now known each other for a significant amount of time. That helps. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's a credit to, to, to Ann, who's our offensive uh, coordinator, uh, assistant associate head coach, Ann Murray, um, that she's really taking what we have and highlighting our strengths and trying to magnify that in our offensive schemes. So for those who have never watched Fairfield women's lacrosse before, and especially when we talk about the offensive front, what are some of those kind of common themes would you expect when you go to a game over at Rafferty? Yeah, so I think what, you, what you'll what you expect is, you know, we love up-tempo play, but we are, we're, we're working towards being a little bit smarter with our up-tempo play. What's great about the women's lacrosse game is we've always had a shot clock, so you're going to see a lot of offensive shots. Right. Um, you're going to see firepower. So, um, <coughs> you know, what you would expect to see is um, the ball being distributed. We're going to push the fast break. We are going to play a lot of different players. So if you're coming out to see your roommate, coming out to see your favorite person, they're going to get they're going to play. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a little bit unpredictable who we're going to be any given game. Um, but you can you're going to see goals. And on the defensive side of things as well, you talk about players that got opportunities. The thing that I loved last year is, yeah, there were some rotation necessitated by injuries mm -hmm. and just you know kind of figuring things out. But you did have a fair amount of youngsters getting opportunities to play on the defensive side as well, highlighted by Maggie Reynolds, who I thought had an outstanding first year last year. And then you had the, uh, one of the Mac best defenders in the conference in Megan Beach and Aaron Mamley, who draw control specialist queen supreme out there getting the job done and then helping out defensively as well. But there are some holes that also have to be filled in there. So is anybody, um, whether you want to name names or not, but has anybody kind of stepped up into the role and said, hey, you know, there's an opportunity there. I'm going to go out and take it. We, we've certainly had uh, a fair amount of people step up into roles. And you're exactly right. Oftentimes it's uh, necessitated by the injuries we had. Um, so you've seen a little bit of that from the end of last year. Um, without naming names, because I think they're all doing a great job, um, we, we, 
we feel like we've got the uh, the pieces uh, filled at this point. Um, it, again, we have a little bit more depth, I think, on defense than we've had in the, the last couple of years. Um, you know, our freshman class is coming strong. Our sophomores have really grown and are, you know, forces right now. Uh, I think the depth on that side of the ball is great. It gives us a little bit of protection from injury. You know, certainly we're not wishing for injury on anyone, but we know that we have people that can fill those roles. They're getting used to playing together. So we, you know, in terms of chemistry, they're forming that now. Um, and it matches a little bit of our offensive depth that we've had the last couple of years. And you talk about the young players coming in. You have 11 freshmen that come into the program this year. It's always the question of how quickly do they kind of grasp the college game. It's much quicker than it is the mm -hmm. high school and club game. But, you know, we've seen, and as I've said before, you're someone that does give the opportunity when it's there and if the players work hard enough to deserve it. So how have this year's freshman class come in, adapted themselves with the team, and do you think that they're, you know, college game ready at this point yeah I, I would expect the freshmen to have an impact uh, almost right away um, I, I would forecast right now that we will start uh, a handful of freshmen um, and certainly have some in them in the rotation regularly if not starting um, and again not to throw it back to uh, to to our upperclassmen but I think at this point in time we've realized it's not about classes it's about how you play who you play with um, our upperclassmen have done a great job of bringing them into the fold and acclimating them to the college game. You're right. It's not the lacrosse changes. It's the speed of the game. It's the size. It's the strength. Um, so you have to get used to that. That takes time. We saw them make you know, exponential strides through the fall. So the expectation right now is that um, you know, they're even up right now. They're gonna, if they earn the right, they're going to be on the field. doesn't matter what year they are. Absolutely. The one other note that we do have to touch on briefly is, you know, we talk about defense, but also goalie mm -hmm. as well. Coming into last season, the team returned zero minutes in the cage. This season, it's also going to be the same as Paulina DeFato did a great job last year, has now transferred. She's going to be at Elon. So you have two goalies, Emily Polsonello, a sophomore who played four games last mm -hmm. year, Olivia Conquest, a first-year player. How have they done in their build-up to the regular season? They are super coachable. They have done a very, very good job of uh, uh, of putting the work in. I think they both understand that there's a starting position on the line, which is a great thing to have. Right. Um, you know, at this point in time, it's kind of neck and neck, which is also really good. It's great to have options. They are super coachable kids who I think the team has – a ton of confidence in no matter who is playing. Um, if you ask me who I was starting right now, I don't know that I could tell you. I think uh, we're going to wait a little bit. We have the luxury to wait a little bit and make that decision closer to our first game time. Um, but if anyone was watching our fall scrimmages, you saw both of them have, have great in-game performances. Uh, it, they're both gamers, so it's, it's really fun to watch. Um, I think having two, um, having the depth, really does help us. Um, that's something, again, that you know we, we haven't necessarily had depth at that position in previous years. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think they're going to grow as the season goes on as well. So I would expect you'll, you'll see their best lacrosse in front of them at, towards the midpoint of the season. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of us have experience as goalie coaches on staff, uh, myself and Mike um, and Kara. We've, we've, we've made into a goalie coach. Uh, I was just waiting um, for you to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, she is the shooter extraordinaire. Yep. Um, so, you know, that – also is a bit of a luxury that I think a lot of teams don't have 
we have different approaches, but we can work with them individually, uh, every practice, every game. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the growth continues throughout the season. Well, it's certainly going to be fun to watch, especially you talk about that competition because it's nothing better than it. you got a couple of young players that are fighting for that opportunity to get the number one shirt on opening day, so that should be fun. And kind of the back end of the scout and also that leads into, you know, around the circuit talk where we kind of just go about what's happening in lacrosse and this being women's lacrosse here is, you know, the schedule this season, non-conference, um, pretty much as you were from a year ago, a couple of just changes, at least in terms of home and away games. Uh, but the big one that I think a lot of people, especially myself included, that are looking forward to is a, a date in early March against Denver. Now a team that we don't often see on this side of the uh, United States, but it's an opportunity to test yourself against a team that is quite good. Second round in the NCAA tournament last year, usually one of the better contenders, you know, to make some noise in the postseason. A team that Fairfield does have a little bit of history against a couple of years ago, went out uh, to Denver, lost 10-6, but it's two completely different teams. So what can the folks expect when they see the Pioneers, not the Sacred Heart Pioneers, the Denver Pioneers, uh, head out here to Rafferty Stadium? Denver is is a, a perennial member of the top 20. So I think in terms of crafting our schedule, we were lucky enough to get them to come on out here. We're actually going to go there next year as well, so we'll have a nice series there. Um, they are very well coached, very disciplined, very fast. Um, I think it's everything, though, that we would like to prepare for going into our conference play. Um, if you shy away from the, if you shy away from the competition before you get to conference, you won't be ready for it. So um, we have a great opportunity to add them to our schedule, and uh, and we really, you know, couldn't say no. So you will, that will be a great game. It's a Friday game. Um, y you are going to see some some good lacrosse. And again, it's really nice to have a top twenty team come in. Uh, we would expect them to to be to be there um, this season as well. So it gives us an opportunity to see. Uh, how we match up. We talk about preparing ourselves for the NCAA tournament. You talk about preparing yourself for um, more than just where you are, where you want to go. They're, they're, they're a good team for that example. Yeah. So It's certainly a litmus test right before the conference play starts because you look at actually how the schedule works. They're the second to last uh, non-conference opponent. You do have a little bit of a break before you play Sacred Heart on the 20th and Quinnipiac. And the other non-conference games we mentioned, Holy Cross away to start, UConn, Hofstra, New Hampshire, home in addition to Denver and Sacred Heart, as we said, away games to BU, Columbia, um, and then conference play begins. And that kind of brings us to the around the circuit because this year might be one of the most interesting in the MAC women's lacrosse circuit that we've seen in a long time. Last year, there was a four-way tie for first place. Um, and you reminded me before we went on air that it was a number of teams could have won it outright coming into the final day of the regular season. This is just one of those seasons that if you had to handicap, I'd say, you know what, <laughs> take the entire field because just one of them could probably win the regular season, and that might not even be the team that wins the postseason tournament. Yeah, I think it might look a lot like last year where um, if you take off any given game, you're, you're going to lose that game. Um, and it really could be to anybody. It's it's fair to say that everybody is a threat in the MAC right now. Um, I believe up until the last week of the schedule, it was a five-way tie for first place, and then it just had to break. Yeah. Um, you know, but each of those teams is a threat. I mean, when you had um, Canisius and ourselves in the championship last year, neither of us were one and two. Right. Um, so that's indicative of the, of the parity of the league, and and that. It, it, that will be the case this year. Um, nobody really loses anyone that is um, that they can't 
fill in for. Um, you know, certainly there's, again, good teams, good depth. It's a testament a bit to the, the coaching that we've had the last couple of years in league. I think it's gotten really good, really consistent. Um, recruiting has gotten better, and um, you're seeing every team – understand that this is a good league to win you know this is a good league for for you to get in to um to try to knock each other off uh, it's a little stressful at the end of the year because all those games count and they are all they come at you one after the other but what's nice especially from our players point of view is is that you have to get up for every game right um you know oftentimes the trap of playing down to a team exists it doesn't exist in our league at this point in time so um if you want me to handicap it uh, you know, I'm going to give you six na- six teams, and it's going to be all of us. Um, I do think it's going to come down to the end of the season. I think it's going to come down in, in terms of scheduling. All of us have very pivotal games in the last two to three weeks um, that are going to be important. Um, you know, I think the bigger question is probably who's going to be hosting, um, not necessarily who's going to be in, because I think you're going to have a, a similar group to last year being in that final six even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again – it's it's a challenge that you want. So if you you talk about all of us getting out of the league and and preparing ourselves to win the NCAA game, you got to have a good league to do that. Yeah, and it is. I mean, you look at it right now. We talked obviously about the four way tie for first, but you, and you mentioned that last four. And you know, to run through it quickly, the last four home games over the last, or excuse me, four games of the regular season: Monmouth home on the 10th of April, Siena away. Iona home, who was a first-round opponent for you guys, and then Canisius, obviously, a rematch of the championship game a year ago, and it always happens to be you know one of those two teams. But it that's just it. It kind of looks brutal, but at the same time, it's like okay, well, everybody else has to kind of play a similar stretch. It just happens to be that you guys are home three of the last four games, which might be a little bit of an advantage. It is. I mean, it'll flip next year, so we'll see. But uh, you know, I think for us, home or away, uh, we've gotten pretty good being road warriors. I think we are um, we're pretty nuanced at this point. So it's just put put the team in front of us uh, and let us go. We don't care where we play anybody. Um, but you know, we're we'll, we will be prepared. We know what's coming at us. I think we have some nice rivalries going right now where we literally know person to person who's going to be uh, on the field um, in opposition. So it is, um, it's where I like where we have our group that uh, likes to pay attention, likes to the scout, likes to know what's going on. They remember, um, they take it from year to year. So um, it, that's an advantage having a really thoughtful upper class. And quickly, you touched on a moment ago about you know the coaches in this league and how they've kind of really upped the standard of the Mac women's lacrosse division. Why is that now? And how, you know, obviously you've been ingrained in the conference for quite a while, but, you know, now it's not just a two horse race anymore. It's a number of teams. And it obviously tells you that a lot of local talent, especially, you know, very hotbed heavy lacrosse region, they're staying home as opposed to going to an ACC school or a Big East school or you know, something along those rights. You know, I think success breeds success. You've seen within the MAC play, um, teams do very, very well nationally. Right. Um, make inroads. Um, you know, certainly credit to, you can talk about Canisius and they've had some, some uh, pretty good games in the first round of the NCAA tournament when they've won. We've had some pretty good games, you know, you, you know, going into the NCAA tournament. Um, you can see 
that people notice that and they're starting to um, to go to those schools and to uh, you know to see you're right stay home and and see what's in front of them um, you don't have to uh, go across the country to get good lacrosse you can you can go in your backyard in some respects I think the coaching has been consistent you know so even if you have a new coach um, at Canisius it's a great example Allison Daly um, she she was there before so she knows it she knows what what it uh, what the expectations are I think you talk about um, some longevity in the the uh, the people that have been at the programs, that helps. They start to grow their own vision, just as we are doing here. Um, all of that breeds success. And, you know, it, it, we certainly love that parody. It's frustrating. It can be um, um, a little bit dizzying at times where you just don't know what's coming at you. But, you know, the, the better that one team gets, we all get better. Um, if we can rise as a league, we are all going to be better for it. So um, we welcome the rivalries. We welcome the good teams. It's it's something that you want to see. Well, it's certainly going to be fun to watch this season as that's going to conclude for our season outlook episode for women's lacrosse. But it, it, it's going to be quite a uh, fun ride ahead for this 2019 campaign. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Absolutely. So are we. All right, well, thanks for tuning in for our second episode here of uh, Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. Make sure to stay in touch with us on social media at Fairfield, or excuse me, at Fairfield Stags, at Stags Women's Lacks, at Stags Men's Lacks. You can follow me as well if you want. It's a terrible follow at JJDuke21. Uh, but we'll hope to see you here next time. Until then, goodbye and go Stags. The Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For all information related to Fairfield Lacrosse, log on to fairfieldstags.com.